Hi, I'm Gianna Volpe, and thank you for listening to The Heart of the East End on WLIWFM, the show where we get to the heart of any matter at hand with folks from all walks of life on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. We stream online at WLIW.org radio and welcome your comments, questions, and collaborations of all kinds on The Heart of the East End. Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, I'm Gianna Volpe with local news on Long Island's only NPR radio station. All of Long Island has been upgraded to a severe drought status by federal monitors, a product of the driest August in 17 years. Officials said Robert Brodsky reports on Newsday.com that the U.S. drought monitor put most of the downstate region, including Nassau, Suffolk, Westchester, Rockland, and Putnam counties, along with all of New York City in the elevated drought status in its newest map released Thursday. Previously, the North Shore of Long Island had been classified in a moderate drought status. Quote, another week of below normal rainfall above normal temperatures, low stream flow, and dry soils caused conditions to deteriorate in much of the Northeast, the drought monitor said. Jessica Spascio, a climatologist with the Northeast Regional Climate Center said the heat and recent dry weather on Long Island caused a significant drop in soil moisture, a key metric in severe drought. She urged residents to consider more conservation. Quote, it's definitely a good idea when you're in this type of situation to be aware of your water use, she said, to just stop watering your lawn and be conscious of your water use. The Suffolk County Water Authority declared a stage one water emergency for the towns of East Hampton, Shelter Island, Southampton and Southhold on August 2nd and has been urging customers to stop all lawn watering from midnight to 7 a.m. when irrigation usage is highest and reduce shower times to ensure there is sufficient water for firefighting and other emergency purposes. The emergency will now be expanded to all of Suffolk County Water Authority's 1.2 million customers. Looking at the roads during a special session of the Southampton Town Board yesterday, members voted to reinstate the Conan Flashing Light Program at the Canoe Place Road and Montauk Highway intersection uh, from in effect uh, 5.30 to 9.30 a.m. effective today. Kitty Merrill reports on 27East.com that the vote also authorized Southampton Town Supervisor Jay Schneiderman to sign permits for blinking light programs designed to improve traffic flow at five additional intersections. County Road 39 at Tuckahoe Road, at McGee Street, at Sandy Hollow Road, and at North Main Street, all in Southampton. Lights on Montauk Highway at Tuckahoe Road and St. Andrews Road. Plus, the light in Watermill will all be included in a one-week pilot program in October. And finally, Sag Harbor residents soon will have a final chance to hear more details about the proposed $13.5 million capital improvement project to upgrade and improve athletic uh, facilities at Mashashamuit Park ahead of a bond vote set for September 29th. Keelan Riley reports on 27East.com that at the most recent Board of Education meeting this past Monday, the board announced that it will host a public forum on September 15th at 6.30 p.m. in Pearson High School's auditorium. The board members and superintendent of schools, Jeff Nichols, will be present as well as members 
of the Mash Park Board of Trustees. At the September 15th forum, representatives from H2M, the engineering and architectural firm hired by the district to handle the project, will once again present the finalized plans, which were initially presented at a Board of Education meeting on June 27th. There will be a question and answer session following the presentation. Quote, the intent is to provide an overview of what the renovation plan is and provide an opportunity for the public to ask questions so they're more familiar with what we're asking them to vote on, Nichols told the Sag Harbor Express this week, adding there have not been any significant changes to the plan since it was first presented to the public at the board meeting on June 27th. If the project is approved, the district will enter into a 17-year leash with the park, uh, lease with the park that will have Mashasham Newitt Park continue to be the home of most Pearson interscholastic sports. Under the terms of that new long-term lease, the Sag Harbor School District will pay the park an annual lease fee not to exceed $350,000. That yearly lease price tag represents a significant increase. This past school year, the district paid the park $221,000 for use of the athletic facilities in what was a one-year lease, which the parties agreed upon while they worked on the capital improvement project plan. Reading the weather here in Southampton in honor of our first guest this morning, Father Christoph Kaucha, uh, summer fill-in at Our Lady of Poland Roman Catholic Church, looking like a sunny Friday with a high near 74 degrees. East wind around 9 miles per hour tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 62 degrees. Southeast wind around 6 miles per hour becoming calm after midnight. Right now it's 69 degrees. If you're looking for information about the powwow getting started uh, today at noon at the Shinnecock uh, Territory. We'll be speaking with Brian Polite and Kelly Dennis, the tribal uh, chairperson and uh, one of the powwow uh, committee chairs as well at the bottom of the next hour. Uh, getting us to the bottom of this one, we've got a birds. It's a show for the birds this morning, uh, actually. We'll be playing Blackbird by the Beatles uh, to say hello and thank you to one of our listeners, Randy Stern, who said he's a fan of the show. Uh, before that, we've got a little Harry Nielsen, just a little narration about the birds from the Point record of 1971. Howlin' Wolf on deck after that, Dave Matthews Band, and Joni before It's a Beautiful Day here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. After the incident with the bottomless pit, the two adventurers continued along the winding path which led them through the pointless forest. And along the way, they met the three fat sisters, who giggled and laughed and danced, and whose point was fun and merriment. They also met the leaf man, who told them to plant their roots in the pointless forest, and by springtime, reap the harvest of green and gold leaves which the forest had to offer. Well, needless to say, Oblio and Arrow were not interested in planting roots in the pointless forest. In fact, they had no roots to plant. So they thanked the leaf man and continued on their way. <laughs> 
Little by little, Oblio was learning a great deal about the pointless forest and its inhabitants. But unfortunately for him and Arrow, his knowledge couldn't possibly help them anticipate what was hovering directly above them. Until suddenly, the whole area in which they were standing grew dark from the shadow of a giant prehistoric pterodactyl, which swooped down and lifted Oblio and Arrow high above the pointless forest. Blackbirds to Bluebirds. We've got Helen Wolf at Bluebird, followed by Dave Matthews Band, Black and Bluebird. Of course, Joni's Blue List Bird, a single right after that. And then we'll go to the White Birds. You see what I did there? I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, this is Helen Wolf, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to the weekday morning and midnight show, The Heart of the East End on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLI. WFM music from all decades and genres, interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Getting Father Chris all set up in the studio. Stay tuned for him. This is the Dave Matthews Band. You, whoever you are out there, you're awesome, and you're listening to WLIWFM NPR Radio. If I could fly at the speed of light, I could get to Canis Major in 5,000 years. Butterflies and black and blue birds, I'll never be the same since I met you, girl. And is thrown into a fountain Make a wish, blow out the candles, take a breath God is troubling when you consider Believers that would welcome the end of the world Got a job and it pays me I want love more than I deserve I read the paper, it makes me crazy Gotta be a way to make it work oh. Look at us climbing out the mud Let's go around the block We make the most before the jig is up Dreamers, big talk High wise, the circus never stops I said, stardust Look at you crawling out the mud
Folks know our next guest as Father Chris at Our Lady of Poland at Roman Catholic Church right here in Southampton Village. Father Chris joins us here in the WLIWFM studio right now. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me Thank this you. morning. Thank you for being here. Make sure uh, you've got your microphone close to you. Where is it? It's traveled all the way over here. All right. So we are coming on almost a quarter century of having you visit with us here in the summer, as well as being a teacher of theology. Is it in Lublin? Where is the university where you where you teach? Yes, thank you for having me today. Uh, it's exactly in Lublin. It's east-south uh, Poland. Uh, it's a quite big city. And this is, we are so much happy. Uh, we have Catholic University, John Paul II Catholic University. Where, where, he, where he also uh, taught as well. He was an ethics teacher. He taught for about 24, 24 25 years as teacher, teacher, professor. His uh, field was philosophy and ethics. Yes, we are so very much proud of him being teaching in our university. And yes. it's a cool thing because, uh, as I understand, Our Lady of Poland has a relic of Jean Paul II. Correct. Uh, we keep it in church a few years ago. The pastor, Father Janusz, applied for the relic, and the, the Holy See gave us the relic, which is a piece of his uh, cassock, a uh, John Paul II cassock, and you can always just jump in and see it and pray. So the reason why I think this is it's extra extraordinary that you're with us today is the fact that Lublin is not far from the border with Ukraine, and uh, as I understand it, Ukraine has received four million refugees from, or, or Poland has received uh, four million refugees from Ukraine since 
February, what was it, 24th? 24th, exactly. It's almost 200 years since that brutal, unjustified aggression, or Russian two, aggression. 200 days? Uh, exactly. <laughs> 191. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I just, I follow Polish news and yes. they cover 24-7. Thanks God, uh, we do have in, Pol- in Poland a uh, TVP World television channel uh, easy available through internet. So, and I thought it's 191 day and the Ukraine still, still uh, fight. And uh, yeah, that's true. Almost for a million people. Um, but yet no no need for camps because of the, the traditions that are alive and well in Poland uh, as to receiving guests in the home. Is that is that true? Right. That is true. That's It's a part of uh, Polish tradition, custom, but also uh, Polish Catholic and Christian tradition. It's a Christian tradition. When your neighbor is need, when your neighbor is need, just uh, do your best and take care of uh, him, her. That's that's true. Uh, now, in Poland, I was informed, it's more than three million refugees. Some people that came are, back. That have stayed, right. Yes. Some people came back to Ukraine, some pe- uh, many people, many people. That's uh, that's true. We don't, we are not, we don't have in Poland right now, like many, many camp refugees. Mm. We do have few, very few for like current refugees, Got like it. for like uh, first aid, I would say help. Right. That's that's true. However, uh, the majority, like almost all those Ukraine refugees, were, were are and were welcomed uh, to people homes. And that's and that's despite uh, the history of conflict between the two countries. Yeah, I just thought there were clashes, uh, there were fights between. Poles and Ukrainians. Uh, the, the the difficult story started a few centuries ago. Like like many countries in Europe mm. have had the same. Right, like for example, uh, North Italy, South Italy, uh, France, Germany. You know, just uh, that's the the um, uh, like uh, I remember uh, my father. My father was born born in 1939. So he was like a child of war, right? Because the, the and this is and this is significant because yeah. uh, this talk this sort of goes to the heart of the story, which is despite the history of conflict between Ukraine and Poland, people like your father remember uh, Russia's aggression towards Poland in the Second World War. Of course, he uh, he remembered. He hardly remembered. The time uh, when the World War II started, 1931, September the 1st, yesterday was the anniversary. Uh, and uh, But he remembered as five years old boy, he remembered himself and his parents. Uh, they had to uh, escape from, from uh, Ukrainians because they were like a uh, border zone, clashes, uh, who, uh, who's that land? Mm. Uh, you know, that's, that's, right, right. Uh, so my father told me many times, many times that story. Uh, he told me they had to hide themselves overnights on the fields, country fields. And finally, one night, one night was crucial. Uh, that evening, good Ukrainians, like good people, good mm-hmm. Christians told my father's parents, you you better escape because like tonight it's gonna be something Something's something coming against you and they did and they did they moved to central Poland 
That's why I'm here today, probably. However, let me tell you this. When, since uh, that brutal uh, Russian aggression into Ukraine started in February. And and, and American intelligence had been telling Europe that that something was coming. uh, But you didn't believe it. Why is that? Uh, We, I personally, I didn't believe uh, I, th- I think uh, some Polish people believe that. I don't know about Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. Did they believe or they did not? Uh, personally, I didn't believe because this is beyond my, it was beyond my imagination. Right. We live uh, like uh, in the, the uh, 21st century. Right. We f- uh, we we take planes. <laughs> we, we we are very close to go to to, to the Mars, to the Moon, whatever. Uh, we do we do have su- such such beautiful things. We we have built a beautiful world. Uh, like and 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 one and again, the the the, the war started. Will start. I didn't Bo- believe bombs, that. Bombs, killing stuff, stuff like that. War crime. War crimes. How right. many? How many victims, how many children died? How many schools were destroyed? How many orphans were made? I mean, I remember seeing the the interview with Tom Edmonds over at the Southampton History Museum with you, and you were talking about the, the sheer number of orphans. That, yeah. that Poland uh, has to this day. Yeah, we do have like two kinds of Ukrainian orphans. Like na- number one, the first group is like natural orphans. Mm. They were like natural. So I mean, that just already, a, a, already abandoned before, children. Right. So, and we do have the second kind, uh, orphans. This war orphans. Right, that made. war, that Russian aggression created a cost uh, that group of orphans and and let me tell you it's 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 horrible i didn't believe it starts so so i i was i was terribly horrified really when when i saw uh february 24th it started very early in the morning 4 mm. 5 a.m i i didn't believe that it took me one day or two to finally believe that is true i was uh uh so I know that is true. Right. And I mean, you had 50,000 refugees coming into the country per day. You know, just to uh, go to a lighter topic, which I, th- I thought this was fascinating. You talked about uh, setting up a soccer game between yeah. kids of of Poland and Ukraine. Ukraine wins. And why is that? Or, or why do you think it is? Because of girls. <laughs> That's true. I just uh, and explain my... explain what that w- yeah. why that is. Or of course I will. Uh, it's a nice beautiful story. I just uh, over there in Poland, I serve as a parish priest. Also, I teach, but at the same time, I have two jobs in Poland. I I'm a parish regular parish priest also. Mm-hmm. So realizing how many uh, Ukrainians. Uh, we housed in our parish, which is uh, located in Lublin, in the mm-hmm. city, uh, in the suburbs of the city. Uh, I realized that it would be nice to to have something like a social, like international, like like you know, getting people together thing. So I just uh, I I spoke to some Catholic nuns in my parish. They have a house, the convent. And they welcomed many refugees, women and children. Uh, and uh, uh, in May, in the end of May of this year, we had a festival. We have a, we had a, a Polish-Ukrainian festival. Beautiful. It was uh, Saturday morning, 
Uh, it was a beautiful morning. So we welcomed all refugees and welcomed Polish families, kids, and we have uh, had a beautiful time spent together. Uh, um, we uh, we talked uh, and we also have a soccer match, uh, Poland Ukraine, and uh, you know, and in Poland soccer is very popular. In whole Europe, it's very popular soccer. Mm-hmm. We, it's, we, it's, we, we are crazy. You call it football there? Is it? How? Yeah. It, okay. It, it just it's it's uh, football, European football. Right. So uh, I can tell you, like the best scorer today is Polish uh, player Lewandowski. I'm very proud of it. So we are all crazy. Every every single boy would yeah. like to be Lewandowski. Of course. In my country. Right. So we had a, a match, uh, Poland Ukraine, and before we started, like. Um, a uh, Ukrainian girl came to me and said, Father, uh, we don't have uh, uh, too many boys to create a team. Uh, may we, uh, would you allow us, few girls, to play. to play in a team? And I didn't realize what trouble I will be in. So I said, yes, <laughs> of course, of course. And she explained me, because you have to know, in Ukraine, in Ukraine, uh, like many girls play soccer and they know everything about soccer. So it's and and that's why two girls scored two goals and that's why Poland lost. <laughs> I was very happy that day. Very happy. It's ve- I love that story. I absolutely yeah. do. You know, I, I wanted to ask something just not even having to do with the war or, or with anything. I know that you are going to be doing some research on the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. And I was, I don't know, I had thought that it had been uh, revoked, that it was found to be to be fraudulent. Tell me, uh, for those who don't know what the Shroud of Turin is, tell us uh, more about it and then what your research is going to be or already is. Yeah, I started uh, uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, I've read, uh, at that time, I've read a few books by Jan Wilson, the most popular writer about the Shroud of Turin. And uh, Shroud of Turin is burial cloth Mm. um, uh, wrapped Jesus' body. Mm. And uh, uh, many people, very many people don't know about it at all. Uh, many people who know about it, they don't believe it's authentic. Got it. Okay. That's why. Because like in the 80s, uh, a group of scientists made a research. They used C14 uh, method to to prove how all the, the, the thing the fibers is. fibers are, yeah, are yes. obviously post-date or so, something. So the they, they released uh, the results, mm. like research results. They spread it all over saying that Shroud of Turin was made in the 12th, 13th century mm. because this is what the uh, research uh, showed. Sa- yeah. showed. Uh, and uh, so like the church, uh, the church and all believers, just uh, people just uh, uh, stopped talking about the Shroud anymore for, for th- like a short time because new scientists New scientists, uh, after one year or two, they started um, uh, um, questioning, questioning th- that those the results science. because because uh, um, uh, uh, because other sciences showed the authenticity of the shroud, so it was like contradiction. Mm. It, it 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 shouldn't be that way. 
So uh, what was questioned was not the method which was used. The method is good. C14 aging. What is that? So can you can you explain a little bit? Uh, I, I am not physicist. I am not scientist, so I cannot tell you. This okay. is like typical uh, method. Uh, C14 uh, uh, something uh, method. Uh, okay, so it says that it's a, a radiocarbon dating. Correct. Okay, and so it um, provides the objective age estimates for carbon-based materials that originate from living organisms, and it, they measure the amount of carbon-14 yes. present in the sample and, and compare it against internationally you know, yes. uh, used yes. samples yes. so that they can figure out. So, yeah, that's true. So I guess uh, it's like half-lives. Yeah, you know, yeah. How many... So the method, the method is good, has always been good. However, the sample, the sample, they took uh, uh, the sample which was destroyed, mm. which was destroyed. Interesting. Yeah, which was uh, destroyed. Uh, there were a few fires and the chaparral shroud was kept. Plus, uh, throughout the centuries, the shroud itself had to be had to be refurbished. I can only imagine. It's crazy that this is a, yeah. a, a fibrous or a yeah. piece of yeah. cloth that is uh, exists. Yeah. So uh, we know it for sure that centuries ago, nuns who who uh, who were taking care of the shroud, few times they had to take like a new piece of material fabric. And just uh, I see. So I see where where the um, your questions are coming from. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're looking into it and and finding. Yeah. And you know it's it's American. It's American uh, a piece of a story. Beautiful, beautiful part of American story about the shroud, because uh, because in the seventies, uh, the archdiocese of Turin, Italy, uh, asked uh, a group of scientists, uh, mostly Americans. And 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 uh, some of them worked for NASA to to do research, like serious research, and that research uh, uh, confirmed that uh, sh the shroud of Turin is authentic. It it's really the history is two thousand years old. It's amazing stuff, you know. But, whether or not you believe or what you believe. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting story. That doesn't history. matter because we have the 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 fact mm. we have the piece of material made of linen, very big. You can easily see the because uh, 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 the whole thing is there. There's supposedly an impression of his face. Yeah, yeah. It. It's it's not, it's not easy to uh, to get it to see it. Because this is negative, mm. you have to make a picture I to see if, yeah, positive. Yeah, I wonder if you can, can. Do you do that with a computer? Can you? You can uh, graph it and then and decide or or sort of map out what yes. uh, Jesus may have looked yes. like. Yes, so uh, that's fascinating. Yeah, that fascinates me. And I uh, for for last few years, uh, I followed probably all books and articles about the shroud. So the majority, like ninety nine, I would say scientists. Uh, support the the uh, the thesis uh, that the shroud is authentic. Um, uh, there are many methods used to confirm it. For example, flower powder or dust powder uh, method, which some uh, some scientists have uh, used. Uh, every single day, every moment, you wear on you 
uh, like shirts. Yes, of course, you got uh, everything. Pollen. Uh, our, our clothing, our clothing. Absorbed. So are they are they looking for pollen from yeah. you know uh, yes. ancient flowers? Yeah, yeah. They discovered like a uh, little, very little, teeny tiny, uh, very small particles. Microscopic. Of yeah, yeah, very like very little, uh, uh, absorbed by the shrub, like mm. flower powders uh, coming from Palestine uh, from two thousand years ago. Interesting stuff. Father yep. Chris, so you're leaving us. You're you're going back to Poland when? Uh, I'm leaving this coming Wednesday, September the seventh. How was your summer? And uh, you know what are what are your plans when you get back? I mean, the the war rages on, for example. Yeah, my summer was fantastic. It was great. Like always, I started coming to Our Lady of Poland in Southampton 24 years ago, as you said. And every single summer was great because I met here beautiful people, beautiful, nice, kind open people, so many, so many creative people, so many new ideas, so many, I I really, uh, it, I couldn't find time to meet all my friends, right. new friends. Every summer brought me new friends. Oh, speaking of which, and we're, I know we're already over the time, but I do want to give you just an opportunity uh, to mention you have a friend named Carol, uh, and, and I wanted you to, to make yeah. sure that I allow some space for you to mention uh, their work and, and perhaps how to get in touch with them. Yes, uh, please. This coming uh, Sunday, uh, we will have an Our Lady of Poland at all the masses special speaker. It's exactly Karol. Uh, this is his Polish guy, born in Poland, citizen of Poland, very young guy. And he will be speaking about his experience uh, about his, because he was on the front line. Mm. Since it happened, he with his friends uh, went to Ukraine and he volunteered and in, in, uh, evacuating uh, Ukrainian orphans to Poland. Uh, so he has seen a lot, he knows a lot, and now he uh, is stationing in Southampton for some time. Mm. He's my friend's uh, cousin, and uh, he will be speaking at the end of all the masses about his experience. He is trying to build, to create uh, An a foundation. Imagine, yeah, yeah. A foundation Americans for Ukraine. It's the name of foundation. Mm. So he knows, like he tries to coordinate, get uh, help from from America. Uh, to Ukraine for Ukraine. Do you know so, how we how folks can can find out more information about uh, his foundation yeah. that he's creating? What where yes, go? Uh, so um, he uh, he's uh, available at his email address. Uh, anytime you can email him. So his email address is as follows: K A R O L K R S at gmail.com. He's fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to hearing how his his speaking goes uh, this Sunday's Mass. And we can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. Safe travels. And we look forward to having you back with us next summer. Thank you so very much, Jana. Thank you, folks, for listening. Have a wonderful day. Safe year. Good winter. And do not forget about Ukraine. Father Christoph, do I say Kaucha? How do I say the last name? Uh, very close, Kaucha. Kaucha. Father Christoph Kaucha. I'm Gianna Volpi.
Uh, this is Joni and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you just heard the Friday Morning Tea, underwritten by Village Overhead Doors, right here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
That band, It's a Beautiful Day, and it certainly is here in the WLIWFM studio and out leading you into the NPR news break with Seeds of Love and this edition of The Heart for the Birds going from the track White Bird to Big White Bird here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Stay tuned for the next hour. We've got um, Brian Polite and Kelly Dennis. Joining us to talk about the powwow this weekend in the Shinnecock Territory. With Long Island local news, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Illegally dumped mounds of household debris, including furniture, paperwork, and lamps were discovered in the Pine Barrens in Yaphank in August, the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office announced on Wednesday, the latest in an ongoing trash problem within Long Island's most significant wild, uh, wilderness preserve. Brinley Heinman reports on Newsday.com that the Long Island Central Pine Barrens are a common spot for illegal dumping of household waste. According to Sheriff's Office Captain Michael Smith, who also serves as chairman of the Pine Barrens Law Enforcement Council, the Pine Barrens, which stretch more than 100,000 acres, span across the towns of Brookhaven, Riverhead, Southampton and East Hampton and are predominantly owned by New York State and Suffolk County. Law enforcement did not publicly identify the man responsible for dumping two trailer loads of trash. He faces no current criminal charges, but was responsible for cleaning the area at his own expense. A New York State Department of Environmental Conservation spokesperson said the agency is also investigating the August 13 case. Legal dumping at the Pine Barrens is a continuing problem, according to the Sheriff's Office and the DEC. Richard Amper, the executive director of nonprofit Long Island Pine Barren Society, said illegal dumping has occurred at the preserve for the last 40 years and has become more common in the last five. Although the latest dumping in the Pine Barrens came from a resident, illegal dumping in the state-designated preserve mostly comes from business owners or contractors, according to the DEC. Dumping household waste doesn't just create an eyesore, it can hurt the environment. There's concern about the impact 
of a waste that includes household chemicals, motor oil, or pesticides, according to Adrian Esposito, the executive director of Citizens Campaign for the Environment, a nonprofit in Farmingdale. A DEC spokesman said uh, bulky debris, landscaping material, and household trash are the most common items dumped in the Pine Barrens, which pose a risk of material leaching into the groundwater. The preserve intersects with several watersheds and major rivers. There are no additional fines for illegal dumping in the Pine Barrens, a DEC spokesperson said. Quote, I really think, unfortunately, that people see the Pine Barrens as a large open space they mistakenly believe isn't well used and don't think their dumping will be discovered. But that's not true, Esposito said. Looking at the real estate market, Long Island home prices have become untethered from their long-term fundamental values, according to an analysis released this week by Moody's. The uh, report found that home prices in all of more than 400 U.S. metro areas examined are overvalued relative to long-term trends. Jonathan LaMancha reports on Newsday.com that Long Island homes were overvalued by 16.4 percent in the second quarter. That was below the national average of 26 percent, which was a record high since Moody's began tracking it more than 30 years ago. Long Island was more overvalued than the average for the broader New York metro area of 10 percent. No metro area in the country was considered undervalued. The analysis is based on a comparison of Moody's Analytics Home Price Index to an area's fundamental home value or the level of home prices Moody's would expect given long-term trends in appreciation and income data for the region. Uh, Moody's considers prices that exceed their fundamental value by more than 20% as extremely overvalued. Boise, Idaho, 76.9%, Nashville, Tennessee, 63.1%, and Austin, Texas, 61.1% were the most overvalued among 106 metro areas with populations of 750,000 or more, Long Island was the 83rd most overvalued. But just because home prices are higher than would be expected doesn't mean Moody's expects those prices to immediately return to their fundamental value. Uh, Suffolk County set a record median sales price of $575,000 last month, which was 38.6% higher than in July 2019, according to one key MLS. There are still not enough houses available on Long Island. There were 7,238 houses for sale in NASA and Suffolk at the end of July, according to one key. For the pandemic, there were almost double the number of listings. And finally, the Manhattan apartment in Southampton mention of a Russian oligarch with close ties to President Vladimir Putin were raided by federal agents yesterday, according to the FBI. Ben Fuerherd uh, reports in the New York Post that an FBI spokesperson confirmed agents conducted law enforcement activity at the Upper East Side high-rise in eastern Long Island estate linked to billionaire uh, Victor Veskelberg, but declined to comment further. FBI officials and Homeland Security investigation agents were seen carrying boxes out of Vexelberg's uh, Berg's 515 Park Avenue apartment building and his Southampton mansion at 19 Duck Pond Lane, according to NBC New York, which first reported the searches. The U.S. has imposed strict, shanks, strict sanctions excuse me, on a number of Russian oligarchs, including Vexelberg, since Putin invaded Ukraine in February. In April, the feds seized an enormous $90 million yacht dubbed Tango from Vexelberg, which it was, which was, while it was docked in a Spanish port, 
Vexelberg's other assets in the U.S., including a $90 million jet, have also been frozen. American companies are barred from doing business with Vexelberg, who raked in billions by investing in energy and metals in Russia. Looking at the weather in the Shinnecock Territory, in honor of our guests at the bottom of this hour, Brian Polite and Kelly Dennis, looking like a sunny uh, Friday with a high near 74. Beautiful day for the start of this year's uh, and this weekend's powwow in the Shinnecock Territory. East wind today around 9 miles per hour tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 62 degrees. East wind 3 to 6 miles per hour. Right now it's 70 degrees. I'm Gianna Volpe, and this show is for the birds. We've got uh, music, our tracks about birds, leading you all through the rest of this hour. Um, we've got the Doors, the Teskey Brothers, and the Carolina Chocolate Drops. But first, Gene Ritchie, right here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. single decade to jump forward in time from 1962 to 72, The Piano Bird, by The Doors, right here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. 
Open the doors to the Teske Brothers. This is That Bird from the Run Home Slow record of 2019. Here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLI-WFM. Brian Polite and Kelly Dennis joining us from the Shinnecock Nation. In just a few minutes here on the Heart of the East End. Sometimes I question and I wonder 
Tucking the Carolina chocolate drops in our back pocket just for the moment being, I think I'm going to move on to Bob Whaley, uh, Bob, Bob Whaley and the Marlers, Bob Marley and the Whalers, three little birds here on the birds edition of the heart here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Bob Marley and the Whalers leading us to the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour on Friday morning, just after 1 o'clock if you're listening to the replay. And that means it's time for our Hot Sounds segment, underwritten by SAG Harbor, uh, Harbor Cinema. And lots of great or hot sights and sounds at the Shinnecock Territory this weekend. Very excited to welcome back to the program Tribal Chairperson Brian Polite. Welcome back to the heart, Brian. Hey, good morning. How are you? Very excited for the powwow, and I'm sure you are as well. Uh, have you had, you haven't had one for what, the last two years? Well, we have had one the last two years, but they were closed to only Shinnecock. So Got this it. is the first time um, in two years where we're opening up to the public, and we couldn't be happier to have everybody come back on Shinnecock and share in our culture and share in the other tribes' cultures that are coming all over the country. So speaking of a different type of whaler, I know there's going to be a Michoon, or how do I say it, uh, Michoon race on Sunday. Tell us yes, everything. correct. Yeah, yeah, they've been doing this now, I believe, for four years. I might be mistaken, or five years, where they have a canoe race with a male and a female. And it's always a good time. Um, we open it up to other tribal um, members from across the country, and it's always a good time. We have it right here on our Cuppies, Be- uh, Cuppies Beach, which is the Shinnecock Bay. Awesome. So it'll be Little Beach Road on Sunday, I think at 7 a.m., and, and just a quick shout yeah, to— Yeah, it's, it's early. <laughs> yeah, quick shout to Allie Joseph. I know it's it's her birthday, and she's excited about it. I think it's said it was the, the seventh annual. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about—am I saying it right? Is it Michoon? What, what is it? Is it t- yeah, a type it's Michoon, of absolutely. And— uh, as your listeners may know, is that Shinnecock, um, the people of the Stony Shores, are very in tune with uh, the waterways. So the machine and the canoe was a big part of our culture and still plays a big part in our culture as well, as well as a lot of the East Coast, Northeast tribes. So I have never had the privilege and the, the honor of being at one of the powwows, hoping to make it this weekend. I know traffic is tough, but it's definitely worth it. Can you tell us what folks can expect when they come to share in the culture and the tradition of the Shinnecock Power? Sure. So we have native foods, um, local native foods, as well as uh, foods from um, out west, um, some of the tribes out west. We also have Native American jewelry, beautiful artisans um, that come, paintings, um, you know, activities for the kids. Um, as well as a whole host of different Native American dancing and competitions. It's really a a show of Native American culture, um, and it's very inclusive with with the crowd. So um, this is our 76. We've been doing it for a while, and we're just so excited to welcome everybody back to Shinnecock. Oh, my gosh. We can't wait. So it's saying some 30,000 people are going to be coming to the powwow grounds this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, about that. I mean, we've we've had north of 40 to 50, sometimes 60,000 in years past. So, um, you know, due to COVID, um, last year we were able to have a, a bigger ceremony with just Shinnecocks. And that was really nice. The year before that, we had to even close it to us, and we only came out into the opening ceremony. Um, but we're still going strong. 76 years, the pandemic couldn't stop us from actually holding it. Um, but again, it's been closed to the public. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge deal for the Shinnecock people. You know, we're uh, the pandemic has taken so m- many lives right. on Shinnecock. So when we're dancing this weekend, we'll be dancing for um, those that we lost as well as um, new beginnings. So, so true. Can you? Can, is there anything that you'd like to ask 
uh, the public, those that are listening, uh, as far as as people coming? Are there things you want uh, folks to be aware of or or not to do, uh, to do or not to do at the event this weekend? Yeah, uh, you know, just be respectful of the lands. We, we open up our territory, uh, you know, once a year um, to the outside. We value um, this land. We've been on this land for 10,000 years, so respect the land, but just have a good time. Um, it, you know, it's one of those events that a lot of Long Islanders have missed from what I've been hearing from people. So come enjoy yourself, have a good time and take a moment to, you know, ask questions of the artisans, ask questions of the dancers, ask questions of the singers, ask what the meaning of the drum circle is. And, you know, hopefully leave with knowing more about Shinnecock than when you came. So now I got to ask you, can you tell us the significance of the drum circle? Sure. So the drum circle is very big, not just in our tribe, but across Indian country. And when you get into the circle, you put all your bad energy away and and it's a communal thing. And you come into the circle with good thoughts and positive reinforcement and positive energy and you move to the rhythm of the drum. So the, the circle is a very important thing. And a lot of times you'll say, you know, we can't wait to get back into the circle. So right. when we invite our brothers and sisters from across the water and across the country to come join our circle, um, that's what we're talking about. Oh, my gosh. So this is uh, arguably never been a more uh, important year or time for, for everyone to be getting together uh, at the drum circle. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're at the tail end because the Palo Circuit is huge um, all throughout the country. And it starts in the early spring and it you know goes into October. We're one of the last in our, uh, our brothers and sisters from across the Sound, um, the Master Tucky Pequots, um, the Mashbees. Um, and the Narragansetts, the Aquinas, um, they've all had their powwows. And it's just been a, a big sense of coming together and, you know, old acquaintances coming back again and again after all this. Um, so the, the, this powwow is significant, not just for us, but for the other tribes, too. And as I said, um, they, they've had great powwows over the last couple of months. So if that's any indicator, this is going to be a great weekend. Well, we are so excited to be celebrating with you. ShinnecockIndianPowwow.com is the website uh, to get more information. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Tribal Chairman Brian Polite. This was the Hot Sound segment underwritten by Sag Harbor Cinema. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
to fly away and the other You're beautiful, and that's for sure. You'll never, ever fade. You're lovely, but it's not for sure. I won't ever change. And though my love is great, though my love is true.
Nelly Furtado's I'm Like a Bird from the Woe Nelly record of 2000. I left a track behind after playing Regina Spector's Two Birds from the Far record of 2009. And that's another uh, Two Birds kind of track. It's called Twin Birds from the Other Girls record, uh, Perfect Cities. I'll play that one now. We do have the Carolina Chocolate Drops Pretty Bird from the Leaving Eden record of 2012. And uh, how about one from our uh, own Rory Kelly here on Long Island? If you teach a bird to sing from the Rising, Rising, Rising record of 2016. We'll see what what uh, else we have time for. Uh, roughly 15 minutes, 16 as it were, uh, before the NPR news break and the end of this edition of The Heart going to the birds, for the birds, and for all of you celebrating the 76th annual uh, Shinnecock Powwow this weekend at the Shinnecock uh, Powwow Grounds. You can find out more information, as mentioned, at ShinnecockIndianPowwow.com. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, tr- uh, committee member Kelly Dennis will be joining us, but if not, either way, we did have... Uh, Brian Polite on with us. And of course, all of you out there listening, I'm Gianna Volpe. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Excited and grateful to welcome on to the program from the Tribal uh, Council of Trustees, Kelly Dennis, to the program to tell us a little bit more about this weekend's celebration in the uh, Shinnecock Territory, uh, as well as a bit about the schedule of events. Okay. Kwe kwa tablitme, meaning hello and thank you in our traditional Shinnecock Algonquin language. Kelly Matasuis, Kwa Takine Hadonamo, Jimoseyang Matasuis, Demis Mishishayawank, Kwa Hasananisko, Nipmunk Nichipayawank, Shinnecock Reservation, the top. Uh, this translates to my name is Kelly, um, and my traditional name means forest maiden who walks the path of the turtle. Uh, Dennis is my last name. I am from the Shinnecock and Hasananisko Nipmunk tribes. I on the Shinnecock Reservation, and um, yes, I, I serve on the Council of Trustees for the Shinnecock Indian Nation. I'm a councilwoman secretary, um, and we are very excited to invite everyone to the 76th annual Shinnecock uh, powwow. We are so blessed to celebrate our history and culture with you after COVID-19 pandemic, which is still ongoing and um, had, you know, prevented us from opening our powwow grounds to the public for these past two years. Um, and we really offer our sincere thanks to Fred Best as chairman of the Shinnecock Powwow Committee and all those who volunteered to serve on this committee to bring our Labor Day weekend powwow back. Um, many are really not aware of the intense amount of dedicated planning uh, that must take place to hold our powwow and to make um, all these considerations for health concerns and you know, how we've been, had to mourn a lot of our, our loved ones who've been lost during this time. Um, and, you know, we really are excited to come together as family and friends again and to kind of walk in that circle on, on our drum and, and dance again. Um, we wouldn't be able to honor the memories of our families and friends who've passed onto the spirit world without the care and attention of our powwow committee and everyone who offered to assist them. Um, and, you know, just to also be sure that, um, you know, we're still watching out for each other, keeping each other healthy and safe. Um, we definitely encourage um, masking indoors, social distancing, hand washing, sanitizing, um, and hope that everyone just stays healthy and safe. Um, so, yeah, our, for our, our powwow, our Friday, um, which is today, uh, our, it's our first day of powwow, and our gates open at 3 o'clock. Um, and 
there'll be lots of vendors um, and uh, great things to walk around on um, and explore. Uh, at 7 p.m. on uh, today, uh, there'll be grand entry, followed by our Friday night specials and social dancing. Um, and then on Saturday, our gates open at 10 a.m. Um, there'll be a performance with Charles Cause. Uh, we'll have welcoming addresses starting at 12:15. Um, then get into grand entry, a flag um, song honoring our of our veterans. There'll be invocation on large prayer. We're also doing um, a special uh, dedication for um, missing and murdered Indigenous women uh, and girls and, and other persons, which is really an, an epidemic um, right. across Indian country. Um, and we are going to, uh, many people are going to be wearing red in order to uh, kind of honor um, that movement and to bring awareness to um, MMIW, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. Um, so following that, there'll be dance contests, and at 5 o'clock, um, there'll be Polynesian dancers. Um, this is Saturday. Um, and then at uh, 5.30, uh, there'll be a performance by Gianni Wilmot, and um, also a tribal member. And uh, at 6 o'clock, there'll be a fashion show presented by Wayon Smith, 6.15. Uh, fashion show presented by uh, Kayla Looking Horse, uh, 6.30. Uh, Boys and Girls Club of the Shinnecock Nation are going to be performing. And at seven, then we'll have another grand entry and, and more dancing. Um, and around 10 is when we uh, kind of wind down. Um, yeah, so it's kind of the same schedule on Sunday, um, except there'll be uh, a swap out at five with um, Richard Richardson uh, family social dancing. And that's when um, we'll also be inviting people to, to come and dance with us. Um, and some fun uh, different uh, dances that we do as uh, communities. And then on Monday at 10 a.m., our gates will open um, and uh, another um, performance with Charles Cause, 1215, welcoming address, uh, 1230, grand entry, um, flag and honor song with the veterans, and um, invocation, large prayer, contest runoff, special contest, contest winners announced, and at 5 p.m. we'll retire our colors and start to wind down. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, that's All the kind way- of how the, the schedule is, but it's subject to change. It's a lot jam-packed into that day. Yes. <laughs> into the whole weekend. Tabutne, Councilwoman Dennis, you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, grand entry. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means? Um, yeah, so this is uh, our kind of uh, tradition that um, we do uh, to uh, open um, the, the, the the powwow with um, for for the dancers. Um, everyone is pretty much expected to to come fully dressed in their regalia and um, you'll usually see the dignitaries of the the different nations um, up in front and there might be powwow princesses there too 
Um, the, we'll start with the, the flags at the very front, and everyone will come in their, their different kind of categories of dancing uh, following that, and then also others from um, uh, perhaps outside of uh, the United States. In the past, um, you know, we've had like Aztec dancers. Unfortunately, they can't make it this year. But um, Polynesian dancers and other um, dancers from uh, indigenous nations around the world may, may join that too. Um, and uh, during this time, as part of our powwow etiquette, um, it's, it is a ceremony. Uh, we do ask that people uh, stand and remove their hats uh, during grand entry um, and then following that to continue to do so for the invocation, veteran honoring song, flag songs, uh, the many memorials that we'll have, as well as the closing songs. Um, so on um, Saturday and Sunday, there actually are two grand entries again. Um, and you, you definitely want to come to, hopefully you can make at least one of these entries that we have. Um, oh my gosh, I hope but, so. But uh, around 12.15 to 12.30 is uh, the first one on Saturday. Um and then seven o'clock is the the evening grand entry um, on Saturday and Sunday, and same on on Friday. Uh, today is seven o'clock. Um, there's only one grand entry on Monday, which is at twelve thirty. We are. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just wanted to. Look, we're we're almost we're like three minutes out before we get cut off by NPR News at the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to say thank you so much. So much important information, folks. If you. Uh, want to find out more shinnecock indian powwow.com but encouraging everyone to get involved uh, to wear red and again uh, thank you so much councilwoman dennis i'm gianna volpe you're welcome that was kelly dennis the one and only this is rory kelly <laughs> and you whoever you are i did want to really oh. quickly correct the, the website Go ahead. Um, oh please do the new one it's uh, shinnecock-nsn.gov got it it's, and, and then it's like find, uh, even more updated information it's got like the backslash annual dash powwow I'm Gianna Volpe mm-hmm. that's Kelly Dennis this is Rory Kelly and you whoever you are out there you're awesome and you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station WLIWFM if you teach bird to sing she gonna learn to fly you let her sing she gonna fly if you let her sing she gonna fly away if you teach bird to sing she gonna learn to fly if you let her sing she gonna fly if you let her sing she gonna fly away 